0: I'm Trudy Morgan Cole, and welcome to a special episode of my book podcast, Shelf Esteem. I guess they're all kind of special, but this is one that we've had planned for a while. Fellow Newfoundland writer Michelle Butler-Hallett and I were kind of geeking out on Facebook about how excited we were about the movie adaptation of Madeleine L'Engle's novel, A Wrinkle in Time a book we both read and loved many, many times over the years. This was before the movie ever ever came out, and we agreed that after it did come out, we both had a chance to see it and reflect on it a little bit, we'd get together and do a special episode of the podcast talking about A Wrinkle in Time, the book, the movie, the adaptation, our thoughts about it, and this is that episode. We sat down to talk about A Wrinkle in Time and to let you guys listen in. So, we both read the novel A Wrinkle in Time a really long time ago, and more recently, and we've both seen the movie. Yep. So, I'm, of course, anxious to know what you thought about it.
1: <laughs> oh, my. Um, I'm, I'm going to start my thoughts with something my fr- much smarter friend Anne long said to me a while ago, and that okay. is any adaptation is, in and of itself, an independent communicative act. And yes. as such, it isn't, it isn't as inherently valuable as the base text. Where I get confused and where I get tangled up is how do you discuss an adaptation without discussing the base text? Yes, yeah. And this is where I find Duvernay's choices are so interesting. Yes, yeah. Um, the uh, if, 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 if nothing else, I found Movie Meg, as portrayed uh, sure by Storm Reed, more empowered than Novel Meg. I think that's probably
0: true. I, think and I, I wonder it, if it's a factor of, you know, novel, Meg, having been written in 1967, uh, I think, or even earlier, I guess, yes, yeah
1: okay. I think that's part of it, and, and as revolutionary as Lengel was, in, and she said so later, having a science fiction novel with, not only about good and evil, but a girl protagonist that was uh-huh. revolutionary, that yeah. was, that's still mind-blowing, now with the movie that it's, it's, it's a the, that Meg is played by a young black woman—that's a whole other level of yes, subversiveness yeah, and, yeah. and, and stirring up what we expect in our stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed in the one comment I saw, it may even have been from you, and I'm not sure, uh, had said that they missed um, how how math nerdy
0: Meg was in the in, in the novel. That wasn't me, but I did notice that. Yeah,
1: yeah. The, I, I think I think Javiera didn't ignore that. I think she had that in mind when she when she did the thing that I think shows Meg is a bit more empowered in the novel. It's Mrs. Which I think who shows him how the tester works, though the demonstrations of the, the ant yeah. and the string. Mm-hmm. In the movie, it's Meg who explains it. Yes, she yeah. understands her father's work. Yeah. she's te- explaining that to Calvin, just as her mother was tutoring her father. Like the yes, women in the yeah. movie are a little bit smarter. They're a little yeah, bit, yeah, a little bit, little bit stronger, smarter.
0: right? Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, to you know, to go back to that that thing, the thing you said about adaptation. Yeah, it is. Imp- you know. I guess if, if you came to the movie not having read the book, mm-hmm. you would be able to see it as, as its own thing, as its own work of art. But I'm incapable of seeing it other than all tangled up in my mind with, with my memories of the book. I think I am too. Yeah. Now, you, didn't, you deliberately didn't reread the book before going to see the movie. You reread it after. Mm-hmm. And I did. I reread the book right before. So it was quite fresh in my mind. So mm-hmm. I guess that gave it somewhat of a, a, different, um, a different experience.
1: I would think so, because I read that book, oh, 10, 15 times when I was 12, 10, 12, mm-hmm. 13, around, that age, around Meg's age. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, I identify completely with Meg. I'm mm-hmm. com- 100% behind Meg. Yeah. I started to read it again when my kids were small. I was reading to them when they were when they were in the bubble bath, but they yeah. they just weren't interested. So they, were, they were too young, I think. Mm-hmm. And I put it away, and that was 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I waited for the movie. I was trying to avoid the book, because I, I wanted to approach Stavarnay's vision as... Uh, as much as 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 clearly as I could, and I shouldn't say DuVernay's vision because I, what I find interesting about her is how adamant she is to point out that that movie was a collaborative act. That yes. film was a collaborative. Act. She's no auteur, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. She directed yeah. it,
1: but she she's she's a great pains to point out how many other people worked on it as well, which mm-hmm. I loved. Mm, yes. Um, I wonder. I know the, the movie has not gotten great reviews, and mm-hmm. I noticed um, my husband watched it with me um, on, on premiere night. Actually, I dragged him all the way. Oh, out. Wow. He had not read the book. Okay. He had seen the trailers. And he'd heard me he flap my gums about it for ages. Yeah. He said afterwards, well, that wasn't what I was expecting. I liked it, but it wasn't what I was expecting. And I got to thinking about that. Hmm. The trailer sets you up to expect the classic hero's journey, which is what most of our media is, especially movies. Yes. And that is, um, oh, Harry's always on. He's got to get a Horcrux or Luke has to blow up the Death Star. There's yes. something tangible. Yeah. Mr. Dr. Alex Murray, that's his name. Uh, Al- Dr. Alex Murray, uh, in the novel, he's working for the government, so he's got all kinds of of he's got the powers that be behind him. And uh, another scientist has disappeared. We never do find out what happened to him. In the novel, he's completely on his own. Uh, sorry. In the movie, Dr. Murray's on his own. Yeah. He gives his presentation. He's laughed out of the room, and, mm-hmm. and 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 Kate Murray, his wife, is trying to calm him down. Look, I know you want to go beat them up. You know, we got to listen. You haven't got the backup. Well, you j- just calm down and think this through. Mm-hmm. When we next see him in the movie, he's in his lab working away. Kate has Charles Wall- has has Charles Wallace mm-hmm. right, and and she is she's singing a lullaby to him because he's a baby. He's he's up. He's awake. Mm-hmm. Do, uh, and Alex is, is focused on his work, as one expects of the hero, the single-minded determination. Yes, yeah. He disappears. He's on the hero's journey, we think, but mm-hmm. in, but in fact, it's shown to be a failure. It's a selfish failure. What he's done. He didn't know what he was doing. He yeah. didn't look. He didn't look for any kind of help, mm-hmm. and he got trapped. Yeah, and his daughter has, has to come. Rescue has to him. come and rescue him. Yeah. Now Meg's quest is not really a hero's quest. Is uh, so sorry. We 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 see Doctor Murray's hero's quest as kind of a a, a splat. It's a failure. yeah, yeah. Meg is on much more of a hero's quest. She has to face. Or she has to face what's in her.
0: We're fading. Can't we at least leave them with something to help them? Yes. Gifts.
1: I love gifts. Trouble problematic, Meg. To you, I give the gift of your faults. You're welcome. You do know my faults are the bad qualities, right? Are they really? Hmm. Well, then you're all set. She, mm-hmm. um, when Mrs. Watts says, "I give you your faults." Yes, she's furious, and and, and, and that scene too in the book. She's my faults. Yes, How good is that to me? <laughs> but of course, it's her faults which end up helping to save her. She has to go into the into the cave, confront the goddess, confront what's the worst about her, all her worst fears, which she mm-hmm. which we see her doing, which she's testing and she's terrified. She doesn't yes. test her well yeah. at all. And uh, and she, and as with the novel, she's able to come out and defeat it with the power of love. That's one thing yes. it does not have is love. However, there's uh, another really important, I think, empowering bit in the movie over the novel. In the novel, Meg is, 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 has gone back to its solely to rescue Charles Wallace. Now, that in and of itself is a fine motive. Mm-hmm. Of course she wants to rescue her baby brother. Of course. Of course. Yeah. In the movie, it's very clear that she is pissed off with Dad because he abandoned Charles Wallace.
0: Yes, and the yeah.
1: other wrinkle to that is he chose his biological child over his adopted child, and Mae is like, "Oh my, <laughs> not exactly. When acceptable.
0: we get back, I am giving you such an airpuff. It's interesting too. Like I was very um, some of the some of the I always you know have quibbles with some of the decisions of that movie makers make. I wonder why they chose to have Charles Wallace be adopted. Because he's not in the book. He's mm. their biological child. And, of course, her, Sandy and Dennis just get completely edited out of the... Do you the, them? Not really, no. I don't no, either. <laughs> no. Um, I, th- I think she created... I think, Lengel... I mean, there's a lot of problematic things about the family she created in her stories and the relation to her own family. And I mm. think she was trying to create a sort of large family of four or five kids, which she had herself. Um, ah. But she didn't really know what to do with all those kids. So she's left with Sandy and Dennis, who um, I think are in that and the other novels kind of, uh, yeah, it's a little problematic how she deals with them. So yeah, I didn't think that was, but I did think it was odd. And I I wondered whether it was just because they wanted that particular child act. For the part for mm-hmm. Charles Wallace because he was great. Oh, Dennis McCain is brilliant. But because he's what's he Filipino, he's Filipino. or he's yeah? Filipino. So th- I guess they couldn't figure out or, you know a way for him to be the biological child of this white father and black mother. So maybe that's why they that's unexplained all yeah. in the movie. that
1: all we get is, is Meg say hello to your baby brother. Yes, yeah. Where they are they unable to have another child? Yeah. Are they interested in adopting anyway? Like if it's, yeah. that, that's not explored. And I wish it happened just a little more. Yeah, yeah. Because, and because I think it's, it's really beautiful. mm Hmm.
0: And it certainly does mean that when he he you know like you say he chooses his biological child that that dynamic is not there obviously mm-hmm. in the book at all no yeah. No,
1: and uh, now conversely, um, Charles Wallace is a little less empowered in the in in the uh, in the movie. Uh, um, now in the novel, he's some, he's he's um, he's brilliant. Of course, he's a genius. He's a bit
0: mm-hmm. annoying sometimes. Yeah, I mean he's yeah.
1: supposed to be. Cause he, yeah, his, uh, he's arrogant. Pride a five
0: year old genius is going to be annoying oh, anyway. Speedy so <laughs> compound complex sentences. So you just want to smack <laughs> him. Yes. Sometimes. Yeah.
1: What can I do for you, Mrs. whats What's-it?
0: I caught her stealing sheets, guys. She's harmless. You're six. What do you know about harmless? Have I ever been wrong? Well, one of these days you might be Charles Wallace. Oh, I highly doubt that. He's one of the greatest minds in recent history. He's prodigious. But of course, we can't take any credit for our talents. It's how we
1: use them that counts. Um, he's a little. I think he's a little older in the movie, but yes. he's still obviously brilliant and very perceptive. It's something my my, my husband had pointed out to me is that he he felt that in the movie Charles Wallace is overcome too easily, that he's tricked by the the uh, by Red as he's called yes. in the movie just a little too quickly. Yeah, and I wondered about that because in the novel, if I understand it correctly. He uh, Charles Wallace chooses to stare into into the man with the red eyes. Eyes.
0: Yes. Trying to find their dad. Yeah. And he thinks he's going to be able to withstand it. Of course, he can't. Yeah. It's it's arrogance. He believes he can. His mind is strong enough to withstand it, and it's Mm -hmm. not. Yeah yeah
1: so is that arrogance does that empower the character more does taking it away make him a little more uh, charming and un- more vulnerable because he is vulnerable and, and he's it it's terrifying when it is speaking through Charles Wallace in a movie yes very yeah, that
0: that is very unsettling that part I didn't find I don't know I don't think I found Charles Wallace as compelling in, even though that like I said that kid is a great actor mm-hmm. but there's something about him in the movie that didn't I don't know d- didn't compel me as much as the character in the book did and i i wonder whether it was something around that that idea of him you know when he chooses to allow you know he doesn't choose to allow his mind to be taken over but he puts himself in the situation where it can be yes yeah for uh, out of arrogance, but in his mind for a greater cause yes right? yeah 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 what about other like? What did you think of of Mrs. Watson, Mrs. Who and Mrs. Witch in the movie? I could I didn't mind the changes.
1: Now I I found Oprah's acting a little leaden. Mm-hmm. I was a bit a little bit disappointed there. Um,
0: now that said, Mrs. Witch... it is yeah Mrs. Witch. I always she's, get confused about which Mrs. This Which I think, uh, I think <laughs> we're which I'm supposed to really yeah.
1: Um, she's uh, and I think any actor would have a hard time with that because she's this powerful celestial being, but she has to hold back. Yes, she's tutoring. Mrs. Who, and especially Mrs. Watson, who's only a few billion years old. I know, right? yeah. Like mere baby. And, she has, and she's watching these humans whom she's like, oh, God, we have to bring the humans along. Very well. <laughs> um, and she she can change, she can affect things, but she has to hold back because they have to be able to make their own mistakes. Yes. So she has yeah. to do a lot of standing around and looking concerned. Mm-hmm. And
0: that's her. That's and she is, I mean, she's quite literally larger than life. She when she appears, enormous, you know, she's like <laughs> towering. I, I, I struggled with the idea of them having cast... Such sort of iconic, well-known actresses, because it was really hard for me to ever get away mm-hmm. from them being Oprah and Reese and Mindy, as opposed to being—I didn't—I never found they got lost in being Mrs. Watson, Mrs. Who, and Mrs. Witch I have for to me. Get you there? I don't want to, but I have to. <laughs>
1: That that was a stumbling point for me, and if you can't if you can't believe in in the three Mrs. W's, then you, it's really hard to believe in the rest of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that was a problem for me. They were always yeah. oh look, it's Oprah, Mindy, and Reese playing these three celestial characters. So that was a little bit of a barrier for me with the with the movie. Um, I, I loved a lot of the things they did, you know, visually and a lot of the special effects, but I don't think they ever. I don't think it ever quite captured the strangeness of the novel for me.
1: Uh, and I'm reluctantly agreeing with you. <laughs> I really, I was so looking forward to this movie. Yes. And I still think very highly of it. Oh, know? me too, yes. And I think yeah. there are bits of it which have been misunderstood, but mm. I have to agree with you on that. And I can't put my finger on why not. Mm. On, 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 why the, on why that weirdness is not there. Because it is a very weird book. I mean that in the old way of way worse. It is, worse. Yes. yes. It's very striking. I mean, it's, it's, it's no surprise to... to to the two of us as novelists to look at this and go, yeah, of course it was rejected 26 times. Yes. Nobody knew what to do
0: with it. It was hard to categorize. Yeah. yeah. It was It was one of the... There were three great fantasy novels. I say great because mm-hmm. two of them have stood the test of time and one everybody else seems to have completely forgotten about that influenced me as a child. This was one of them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Chronicles of Narnia was the other. Yep. And the other was... The Last of the Really Great Wang Doodles by Julie Andrews, writing under her married name, Julie Edwards. She published two children's novels, one of which was a fantasy novel. And I think, I feel like I'm the only person on the planet who ever read it, but I read it obsessively when I was a kid. But it was a classic, you know, kids discover a, a, a weird parallel world and go, mm-hmm. into, go into another world. And I think I read that before Wrinkle in Time. In fact, I'm sure I did, maybe even before Narnia. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, of those... Um, Wrinkle in Time was certainly the strangest and had the, you know, even more so than Narnia, had the the, the darkest evil, I felt yes. like. Yes, yeah. yes.
1: There are a couple of images, um, and then all of which got changed in the movie, but that mm. I really, uh, I preferred uh, some of DuVernay's choices. I like the way that they did the happy medium better in the movie because it's not yeah. just a stereotypical fortune t- teller. Yes, incredible. yeah, it's
0: totally different. Yeah. yeah,
1: and I liked how it is not the brain in the jar on the die spinning around, which is which is frightening enough, but kind of hackneyed. Yes, um, yeah. Instead, we're in. If I read the, the imagery in the movie correctly, we're in the brain. We're mm. in those are neurons tangling everybody up. Those, yes. those are neural pathways, they're on.
0: I don't think I fully got that when I saw okay. the movie, and part of it was I was waiting for the brain in the jar image because that mm. was one of the ones, and I asked Emma about. It afterwards because I read it to her when she was a kid and she came and saw the movie with me and I was like, I was waiting for the brain in the jar and we never got that because that again, to me reading it as a child, that was was such a chilling and terrifying image Uh, and you're right now it does seem a bit uh Yeah, a bit hackneyed. Well, how many bad B-movies from the 50s and 60s had brains and jars? Yes, brains and jars, (laughs) yeah. And I'm sure, um, you know, obviously Lengel was drawing on a bit of a tradition there. Mm -hmm. But the whole idea of the disembodied intelligence, the intelligence disembodied from love and from from emotions. And therefore malignant. Yes, yeah.
1: It it, it is... uh, it is terrifying, which is going to to, uh, to bring us to something else I'm sure we both want to talk about, mm-hmm. uh, the very blatant Christianity in the novel versus yes. the movie. Yes,
0: yes, yeah, I definitely thought about that. And I had forgotten, and of course, I read uh, the book as a, you know, a kid from a very Christian background, and so I was very familiar with, you know, all this imagery. And they actually, like, they burst out into bits of scripture mm-hmm. in the book, which I had forgotten about. Um, in the scene where they're talking in the novel about people who hold back the darkness, mm. Meg thinks immediately of Jesus. Yes. And then the missus is kind of coach her to think of other people. Yep. That same scene is in the movie, but I don't think Jesus even gets a mention. No, the no. Buddha does. Buddha, Buddha does. Jesus yeah. doesn't. And, yeah, uh, And
1: various artists and physicists.
0: Yes. Yeah. 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 Some of the same ones that are mentioned in the book and others not. That was interesting to me because, I mean, Lengel was a very, obviously a very, you know, devout Christian and a, an active Episcopalian. And she was obviously writing out of that Christian worldview and then expanding upon it and mm-hmm. saying, you know, it's not only Jesus, it's all these other people yes. as well. Um and yeah, I guess for me, as as someone who who is still a Christian, you know, I looked at it and was like, well, it would have been nice if Jesus had at least gotten a look in in that list, or at least true to what Madeline Langl was doing. I but, agree. Yeah. I was, I I could see where they were going because they were mm-hmm. trying not to alienate people. Yes. And yeah. Unfortunately, in the
1: states right now, anytime you mention Jesus, yeah, I mean, you start thinking about the about these these wretched so-called. Um, I don't even want to call them Christians. You know no, the people who are pretending and Yeah, the people they're the people terrible. who have given
0: Christianity a bad name. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I can see wanting to
1: avoid that and 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 and, and stirring that up. However, um, I came at this no, at this novel. I, I'd had. I thought Christianity in school. Yes. I went to church in Sunday school, but but my upbringing was not very was not mm-hmm. church oriented at all. They, my my, uh, my spiritual education I very much developed on my own. Mm-hmm. Looking at this novel and movie now as a Baha'i, I'm mm-hmm. really excited because because of this whole the idea of the diversity uh-huh. of all these artists, scientists, manifestations of God. Yes, as fighting against against the darkness, and, and yet there's a unity underneath all that. That mm-hmm. oh, that thrills me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that works really well. For it, you. It, it, it did. It worked works. Well, yeah. the
1: novel, and I like that in the in the, the movie. I just wish Christ had got the mention.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I I think mainly for me, just because I think that would have been very true to what Lengel originally yes. intended. Yes. Um. And and it would have been nice to see it in that kind of. But I totally agree with you for the, with the political reasons for why that wasn't mm-hmm. done. Because as soon as you mention Jesus in a movie, you align it with a certain a certain brand of Christianity that I think Madeleine Lengel would have been quite horrified by. Oh, and no I doubt. am too.
1: So and she, and from which she received a lot of flack in her lifetime.
0: There were yeah, there were yeah. a number of so-called Christians who
1: would write to her and tell her how horrible the book was. Oh, satanic,
0: definitely, right? yes, yeah. Because any fantasy is, I mean, the same as you know, Harry Potter and poor J.K. Rowling being such a, you know, a nice Church of Scotland lady and getting all this. Oh, you're writing this demonic stuff because anything that's not pure, either pure realism or the Bible, must be, you know, uh, must be satanic. So, devil's yeah. work. Yeah, I, I was, I was a huge devotee of Madeleine Lengle, starting with this book, mm-hmm. and I think, I think I probably read every book she ever published, which is that's a lot like she yeah. was far more prolific than most people realize yep. and I read her other novels like all the ones in this cycle and all the ones that were not fantasy that were just sort of grounded in this world stories and most of her nonfiction, including her book Walking on Water which was hugely influ- influential to me when I was like a young adult college age which is specifically reflections about faith and art and and living the life of the uh in in her perspective the Christian artist but again, Again, she didn't kind of limit it it was it was the the life how the life of faith and art work together and that's that's a book that had a huge impact on me um yeah I'll probably still have a copy of it kicking around here somewhere I'll lend it to you if I can find it um but then um did you read any of the stuff that came out about from Madeline Lengel's family after her death I did not so there was uh there's a there was a lot of unsettling reflections, I guess, um, from some members of her family uh, after she died, who basically said, you know, yes, you know, our mother was a wonderful writer, um, but she lived, she lived in a fantasy world to some extent, uh, in that a lot of the non-fiction she wrote about her family, they felt really turned a blind eye to the realities of what was actually going on and what she was portraying as a very large and complex but happy, well-adjusted family. And they were like, no, it wasn't. And one of her sons uh, was an alcoholic Uh and died by suicide. And at least some people in the family felt he always he felt his mother had based the character of Charles Wallace on him, and he found that very hard to live up to. Oh, my. That's one interpretation I've read of it. And she also wrote a whole book about her marriage and what a lovely, long-standing marriage she and Hugh had. And afterwards, her kids were, after she she and he had both died, her kids were like, well, she conveniently left out the fact that he had this long-running affair that went on for years and years and Years. years. So... I've really had a lot of that idle with feet of clay thing with Madeline yeah, And I think I yep. bring a lot of that baggage now whenever I revisit anything she wrote. I always think, you know, she seemed to me when I was young to be seeing the world and everything with such clarity. Yeah. Uh, and now I question it and like, well, she was just deluding herself like a lot of us are a lot of the time. Well, you know? She was rewriting her life. The time she of was. I think she was to a large extent. Uh, but then it, it brings me back to that whole thing of you know how much do you conflate the artist with their work and, and mm-hmm. the fact that she had issues in her personal life, like who doesn't, doesn't make Wrinkle in Time any less of a great book. But it does; it complicates my relationship with it. I think mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah,
1: I can see how that how, how that would go. Yeah. You, you you got me thinking a lot here now too. <sighs> the, the the idea of the the imagery you just used of, of Lengel seeing the world clearly, and and mm. um, when when, you, when we we first encountered this book it was children, feeling like, oh my, the yes, window open, it was it, it was it, it, it was mind blowing. I was just having a look at a really short interview she did with that was published in Time magazine in 2006. It couldn't have been long before she died, mm. in which she was asked of, um, on the, on the issue of faith. The, mm. the interview was saying, "Well, some people think that um, that faith is is only for people who don't think very much." She scoffed at this idea, as do I. <laughs> yeah. And what she said was, uh, "I dare you to believe in God. I dare you to think about why we exist, why and how we exist." And I think the novels are trying to do that as well. Mm -hmm. And as flawed as she was, and as flawed as as perhaps the image she tried to build up of of what her life was, uh, she's still daring us.
0: Yes, right? yes, yeah. And
1: and that got me thinking about the Queen and David Bowie song "Under Pressure." That, that amazing line and their love dares us. Mm. Right, Meg is dared by the three yes. three Mrs. W's. You, you know you have got this thing in you that it doesn't. What are you going to do with it?
0: Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad that they did in the movie keep some of the, the like some of these like the, I give you your faults. To me, is just the most oh, iconic thing it's in not book. of the book, isn't it? Yeah, 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 it it is, and that's, I mean. It's that whole idea of embracing, you know, your dark side and your shadow side and the things you don't love about yourself. Uh, that is such it's such a powerful idea anyway, but especially, again, I think for young girls and I women. Agree. Yeah, yep. that, uh, you know, even now, it's seemingly almost just as much as when she wrote the book, which it would be nice to think this wasn't the case 50 some years later. Uh, you know, still girls are growing up in, in a world that tells them that this is, This is the way you have to be and all the things that don't fit this image are flaws or are Mm -hmm. faults. Um, Yeah, Meg is such a great... Meg is on character the quest. Meg is the
1: protagonist of the quest. Yeah. How many? Even now, how many girl characters? Uh, Princess Leia was betrayed by the uh, the the character. I mean, yeah. So we have in Star Wars: A New Hope. She's as soon as they get her out of that crate, she takes charge. She's like, yes. you yeah. idiots! Let me <laughs> let me let me do this rescue." And she's fantastic, and she gets back with the with the intelligence that scene yeah. Leia rocks. She does. In that now, movie. in Empire, she's already reduced to hanging Han's girlfriend and Luke's sister. Yes. And Return yeah. of the Jedi, she has nothing to do except stand around in the braids. Exactly. And yeah. Luke comes to her and says, "I found." out who our father is and she doesn't say i gotta go with you or oh my god this is terrifying
0: bye luke have a nice time yeah yeah Uh, she's she's a decoration you're right yeah her role is so sadly diminished uh now I, I think I, I love what they've done. This is we have, we have somewhat wanted a feel from *Wrinkle and Time*, but I love what they've done in the new *Star Wars* movies with mm-hmm. uh, uh, with Rey and with uh, Jyn Erso in, in *Rogue One*, with allowing girls to be the protagonists mm-hmm. and to be the uh, uh, to be the main characters. But you're right; it's still. You know, it's even today, it's, it's still the exception.
1: The Wonder Woman movie was so exceptional. Yes, because yeah. Diana is not only the, the the protagonist, and she is a series main character, mm-hmm. but um, they were the the writing direction and director directing team were brave enough to let her be flawed.
0: Yes, right. Yeah.
1: And the, that handled properly, that's gonna that's gonna yield rich rewards. Going back to Meg, Meg is terribly flawed, mm-hmm. but it's what saves her.
0: Yes, right? yeah. And
1: revolutionary again, still,
0: <laughs> still, and again. Yes, I love the. Um, the diversity that was added to the casting. I mean, not just making uh, you know casting Meg as a as a biracial actress and having having her you know one black one white parent, but just the background details mm-hmm. like her you know her school, which is called James, James Baldwin, Baldwin yep. yes, and the actually quite morally ambiguous and complex principal, Mr. Jenkins, mm-hmm. uh, is a black man, and and there's yeah. just uh, you know it, it's a much richer and Calvin is still the whitest white boy ever. <laughs> It, oh, also interesting, and this is such a minor point that you'd have to be a real nerd about the book. In in the movie, Calvin's struggle with his family mm-hmm. is that he has this overbearing, demanding perfectionist father. Yes. But his family is quite different in the book. Mm-hmm. He is a kid from a poor family. One I'm not one of 11, sure, isn't he? One of 11. I'm not sure there's even a father in the picture. And the mother is portrayed as, you know, a, a very... It's a fairly classist portrayal, actually, of Calvin's mother. As she's yeah. just this sort of overweight, slovenly, obvious... I think she has no teeth or very few teeth. Dad bought her a plate, but she won't wear it. Right, that's it. Yeah, so su- I guess there is a dad, yeah. When, when Calvin first comes
1: to the Murray's house for, for supper, he's like, Oh, my God, your mother is... Go-. First of all, yes. your mother is gorgeous yes who
0: cares I mean, <laughs> that's creepy Calvin that's a little creepy and also it, well it's very much the time like he's yes. comparing
1: Catherine Murray to his mother and what um now I think in, in the later novels he matures beyond that but he does yeah he's he's setting up his own mother who has 11 children yes per a woman <gasps> as uh as standing up up in front in front of the sink with all the dirty dishes mm-hmm. uh, I know it's Calvin's offering to help no <laughs> and uh, versus um Mrs. Dr. Murray who's got the house in decent order but she's still cooking beef stew on the Bunsen burner
0: yes yeah I love about her. but it But it's largely a class thing. I think the Murrays are solidly middle class and Calvin's family is not. And that's the fact that they value intelligence and the mother is beautiful and the house is orderly and welcoming. You know, all that really calls to him. But the reasons why his own family is unattractive to him are not. Nearly as noble, I think, in the book as they are in the you know. I agree. Movie, yeah. I agree because he's not he, he. You could say Calvin's being neglected in that you know he's yes. one of 11
1: kids and the you know how how could the parents possibly give every kid the attention they need? But I mean, in the movie, he's being outright abused.
0: Yes, and, and yeah. he's not In the novel, yeah, which makes him I think much more sympathetic in the movie than he is mm-hmm. in the novel. I mean there's a lot like all novels that you go back and read. There are a lot of things that are clearly of their time. Yes, and don't necessarily uh, age well like that you know, Calvin being so impressed that her mother is beautiful. but there are a lot of other things in it that really have stood the test of time. I find I was I I had not read it since my kids were small, mm-hmm. and I did read it out loud to them. I got a, I read it, and I read a Wind in the Door, which, if anything, if possible, I love a Wind in the Door more I than do a too. Wrinkle in Time. I do too. And I I was trying to remember when I had actually how old I was when I read these books, and I thought, well, I had to be younger than fifteen mm-hmm. because when I got to high school biology, the only thing I was interested in was the structure of the cell. Because I was like, oh, I've been here. <laughs> Yes. I felt like I traveled
1: in there, and and um, as you had said earlier, when you found out that the Ferrandoli were fictional. Yeah, like, what?
0: Yeah, how is did not I... real? How is that not real? Um, and that so that was uh, that's a great book, and it's a shame they'll never make that one into a movie. And it's also a shame, as I think I've said before, that there hasn't been more science fiction written inside the human body because that was fascinating. Um, but I think that was that was those were the two I read to my kids, mm-hmm. and then they sort of uh, they sort of lost interest. Although I have the whole box set of what was eventually considered the five books about about the Murray family, but it did kind of fall apart because I think Langell had a hard time knowing what to do, particularly with Charles Wallace as he yes. got older. As well, *Virtually* Planet is kind of it's, it's kind of boring. I've never reread it. I think I read it maybe originally when I bought it, it's and I've never reread, re-read that it.
1: That the- Reread read the late well, yeah. no, I shouldn't say that one of the ones about the twins I think all over many ones. waters yeah that's well, not very good either oh, no that was failure
0: yeah <laughs> it was the attempt to give poor Sandy and Dennis something to book them. yeah give them something to do give them their own book that didn't work out well but then in the much later books um where Meg and Calvin are grown up and have again a huge slew of children mm-hmm. um Madeline Lango by the way, like me, I think really suffered from being an only child because she wanted these huge, sprawling families, both in her own life and in all her stories. Yeah. Uh, because I think she was very, very lonely as a kid and, uh, and needed to, to create these big families. But in, in the later books, when they're all grown up, Charles Wallace has gone off on some secret mission and has yeah. never heard from me, And it, she never resolves what happened to him, yep. which is interesting.
1: Yeah, what do you do with that character? Cause, yeah, because he's he's one of the reasons he's so compelling in 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 the first the first two books is that he's so very well formed, but he's mm-hmm. He's so young. Yes, he's got all these faults and all these complexities and all these nuances. But he's um, he doing in the window of the door. seven?
0: Yeah, I think he's, so. He's, yeah, he's in the first grade, getting beaten up every day. Yeah, <laughs> poor kid. Oh yeah. One of the uh, one of the comments Emma made when we saw the movie, she said, uh, she said they're. Uh, it's a lot. It's got a lot of that really typical, stereotypical bullying that you see in movies, but you don't see much of in real life, <laughs> uh, where you know people are are picking on kids for things like because your father's gone away. And she said they don't do that in the real world. I'm like, well, they, they might have back when Madeleine Langell wrote the novel, because families where the father had gone away was much were much less common. Well, oh, it would have been much more scandalous. Yes, the, the, yeah, In, the, in yeah. the 50s and 60s, right? But also, what I said is, I think what doesn't come through as clearly in the movie is that. Meg and Charles Wallace are both the kind of kids who would get picked on because the other kids find them annoying and difficult as heck and and use the fact that their father is gone as the thing to target them about. But they they are like Charles Wallace, you know, any real five year old who spoke like Charles Wallace would get beaten up. To Smart no
1: enough in a wind in the door to, 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 to like he says, uh, Meg wants to go and, be, and beat up the kids who have hit him. So yeah, Meg, no. One, I have to learn to fight my own battles. Two, I have to adapt.
0: Yes, right. he's, yes, he's very right. scientific about it. So yeah. Like
1: I'm, I'm not, I'm not. I don't. First graders don't talk like I do. I have to learn to talk like a first grader, and she of course is incensed because she thinks he's betraying his true self. Mm-hmm. He's just trying to get through the day.
0: Yes, he's doing what he has to do to survive. Yeah. yeah. Which I, I I just had
1: a thought on that with the wind in the door. Do you think that she was trying to do something with uh, Charles Wallace on a on um, almost on a, um, a parallel with, with Christ, his
0: patients suffering in that novel? Oh, it could be, yeah. And I could definitely see Charles Wallace as a kind of a Christ figure
1: mm-hmm, because there's 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 so much emphasis in the first novel on on he's
0: different. Yes, he's almost yeah. he's not quite human. Yeah, he's you know? he's 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 almost like a random mutation. Yeah, um, something from outside of which which in that sense it. Doesn't does make the idea in the movie that they have him uh, adopted rather than their biological child. That does. I mean, I don't think they want to go full Anakin Skywalker with the... Who knows where this child came from? But uh, yeah, I think Charles Wallace is a bit of a Christ figure. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, I think she would have done better if she had just Given him a sacrificial death. Mm, I agree, because that's what you're supposed to do with Christ figures in literature—not have them survive and then figure out how to fit them into the adult world, which is a, what I think she could never do with uh, with Charles Wallace. I
1: think you're, you're really onto something there. Yeah, I mean, Don't who? who would, I mean, it's hard enough to kill off your characters who have to die for the sake of the story. Yes, who wants yeah. to kill off Charles Wallace, right? <laughs>
0: But, you know, you do have this thing in literature, and not always with Christ figures or male figures, When I think like Beth in Little Women. Mm-hmm. Some characters are not meant to live. Yes. They are just literally too good for this world or too strange for this world or too wise for this world. And, uh, and at a certain point, you've got to get rid of those characters. The
1: uh, player king in, in Tom Stoppard's Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, he's trying to explain tragedy and life to, uh-huh. to, to Ros and Guild, who are completely confused. Everybody was marked for death dies. You know, in, in some in some deep way, Charles Wallace is marked for death. Yes. And he, that's never properly yeah, it, fulfilled.
0: Yeah, he doesn't die. He's a character who, who I think is is looks like he's, he has what I always call the big red X, like, mm-hmm. you know, characters who as soon as they walk on stage or on page, you Dude. can see the big red X hovering yep. over like, this person is not getting out of this book or movie alive. And I think Charles Wallace is like that, but then he survives, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a missed opportunity, I think, because we, uh,
1: He's in—he's in peril and a wrinkle in time. He's dying in a wind at the door. Yeah. I mean, we—you know, he, he he comes very close. He's saved. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of—I think it's Mrs. Wanset, who was once a stir. She was yes. a sentient star. Yes. And yeah. she exploded herself to—to to, to
0: fight off it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's, That's—that's what Charles Wallace deserves. So, you know. Yes, a glorious sacrificial way. death. Yeah. Yep. Well, missed opportunity there, Madeline. But. <laughs> Did I? I think I, did I tell you that I got a letter from Madeline Langle Once I think you did. I, I did. Know. I wrote her an embarrassing fan letter when I was about twenty two or twenty three. <laughs> it was. I mean, it was just very gushy and telling uh-huh. ten pages of telling her everything that her books had meant to me. And she was good enough to write back. And. You'd think I would cherish this letter and have it. I think it's probably still somewhere in the house. But in fact, I could never go back and reread it because the the restrainedness of her reply just kept reminding me of how cringingly fangirly I had been in my letter. I have to dig it out again and find it. But I mean, you know, long before the age of the internet when you could get tweets from your favorite writer, uh, the fact that she sat down and took the time to write me a handwritten letter was awfully nice of her. It was very gracious. Yeah, it was very gracious, even if it did have a bit of that feel of, I wish you didn't have my home address you crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess she did a lot of that, you know. She uh, she did correspond with uh, with readers and she was very very great, often very gracious to them. I wonder what she would have thought of the movie adaptation. I know she didn't like the two th- the 2003 one that was made for TV. And I have never seen that. I haven't
1: either. No. I don't think it was even broadcast until, until 2004. Uh-huh. I, it was actually, was in that short interview I, I read this morning. She, uh, that um, The interviewer said, uh, So, have you seen the movie? Yes. <laughs> and did it meet your expectations? It was bad. So, yes, yes, it did. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> I it's, would like to think that if she saw... Just, Duvernay that she would that she would recognize that Duvernay was doing her damnedest to mm. to get at the heart of the story and yeah. what it means and twi- uh, her tweaks were something well, I don't want to say update because it's a little bit bit shallow but she was she was trying I thought she was trying to reproduce some of that revolutionary aspect of the novel
0: yes yeah
1: um, f- f- visually I don't think I don't think the movie is in any way a betrayal at no. all. It is different. It has it has its problems, the novel's not perfect either. No, it is not, right. So mm-hmm. I, I do think in the end, uh, I, I would like to think Statlingel would have looked at that fairly. How on earth do you look at a, at a movie version of, of your? Novel. How how do you how does the author of the base text handle an adaptation? I don't know if I could watch one of them. I don't
0: know if I could either. I mean, it's not it's not a problem that plagues me daily. But no, no, oh, uh, but, to have that problem. Yes, exactly, good problem to have. But for people who do, it's interesting to watch authors' reactions because there's some people who are able to be very sort of I'm going to step back about this and I recognize it's a completely different art form and I don't have any mm-hmm. ownership over it. Uh, and then there are other authors who are very involved in the process of of, of adapting. Their works. And then you get the, um, well, Rick Riordan, I think, has been hilarious uh, on social media about how much he doesn't like the movie adaptations of the Percy Jackson books. Yeah. Um, I think somebody asked him on on Twitter or on some social media platform, which of the movies should I watch first? And he said something like, how about you don't? Or something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which I think is kind of probably the way Madeline Lango felt about that TV adaptation yep. that neither of us have seen. But yeah, it must be... I mean, I admire the people who can say, you know, I detach myself from it, they're another artist, they're doing their mm-hmm. own thing in another medium, but I would find that really... Again, it would be a nice problem to have... But I would find it really, really difficult. I think
1: I would too, but I would want to step back. I don't yes. think I'd even want to be a part of the, oh, like a screenplay adaptation. Part of me would really love to, but I'm like, yeah, no, no, no.
0: <laughs> and it doesn't always go, I mean, as a viewer, you know, as a reader and a viewer, when I go to see a movie adaptation of a book I've loved, on one level, what I want is for them just to completely and perfectly reproduce Exactly, the book. That's in my head. Yes, that's in my head. The book, as it was written, with the characters looking and sounding just like I imagine them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's always a little bit of that jarring. Well, of course, that's not what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, you know, I, I think it's, it's just such a, a trite truism that the book, the movie always falls short of the book. But sometimes the movie does something different from the book. And I think this movie probably does fall short of the book. But it also, you know, as with the casting and the added diversity and some of the other deals, it does some things better than the book does. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and I really want to watch that movie like three, four, five, six times. You know, I want to give mm-hmm. as many viewings as I've as given readings to the novel. Mm-hmm. Because I, I really want I really want to look at that as its own thing.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, and uh, and as again, as its own independent, well, not independent, as its own, Human that could have acted. What um, and and look at it as that wrinkle in time versus this, this wrinkle, this in, wrinkle
0: time. in time. Yeah. yeah. Did you go see it more than once? Or I've you only see- seen it the once. I've, I've I've meant to go back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's still playing as of this recording. It's still playing in Mount Pearl, which means, as we all know, if it's playing in Mount Pearl, it won't be around for long. But presumably, it'll be on Netflix, and there'll be you know there'll be opportunities yeah. to. Uh, to see it without the the rush of the you well, you watch it on the premiere right yeah. you watch it the yeah i watched it about a week or so after it opened so it didn't have the uh, the crowd thing i'm disappointed it hasn't gotten great reviews i, I am too yeah because I, I, I don't think it, it deserves that i don't think it deserves the the canning has gotten really no and i actually only i think i only read one or two reviews mm-hmm. and it was the sort of thing where i felt so tender about it that i didn't really want to read a lot of people trashing it but what do you think the main reason, the people who haven't liked it, what have they been reacting to? It's interesting. Uh, in three
1: reviews I, w- I, was, I was looking at over the past few days, the word that keeps coming up is ambition. It's ambitious to a fault. The,
0: mm. the hell does that mean? Um, <laughs> it's trying too hard it's trying or it's trying hard. to do
1: it too much. Um, is, it, uh, it, is it because Meg is on a heroine's quest and we're trying to expect the hero's quest? Yeah. I'm sure that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Is it because this is a, woman's, uh, a woman director? Mm. I'm sure that's that's a factor as well. Um, a, a woman of color, and uh, that's a whole other layer. Yeah, you know, for there, sure. There, there's there is a fair bit of hostility to uh, to Mernay.
0: Yeah, is there? I think yeah. I don't know a lot about her her work before this. So uh, I
1: think her her last feature was Selma. Selma, yeah. yeah and uh, there's a photo of her I absolutely love in which it looks like she's on a parking lot but she's opening her jacket and revealing what's on her shirt and her shirt reads i am my ancestor's wildest dream oh, oh. isn't that great she is fearless uh-huh. she is uh she is confident she does not care what you think and that frightens people yes e- even the most e- even i think the best intention of us are a little like whoa what the hell was this because we're not used to seeing
0: it in a moment no no right no it's true well, I think she was the right person to adapt this. I don't. I may not agree with every choice that she mm-hmm. made or have loved everything about it, uh, but I think it had to be taken on by somebody who had that big of a vision
1: and somebody yeah. who's a bit of an outsider.
0: Yes, um, yes, yeah. because Meg is an outsider. Yes,
1: and and uh, I I don't want to, p- to put this solely on gender lines either, but I th- I think Duvernay's being a woman helped. Yeah, because she she has mm-hmm. grown She grew up as a girl in this culture and and mm-hmm. and and knows how little there is in the way of. Wrong Role models in in this kind of story mm-hmm. for girls, and uh, and of course, Deverna had just lost her father when she read the book. Oh, really? Her dad had just died. Oh, I didn't know that. So she felt this this immediate with, yeah
0: with with mega of course
1: yeah. He's not lost. He's unfolded.
0: Mm. <gasps> oh, that's so good. Yeah, that's so good. That's a detail I didn't know. That's interesting. Well, this has been a great conversation. Do you think we've touched on everything we wanted to say about the? I think I have. I I think I have too. I think I've... and, And this is good because I really wanted to hash it out afterwards with someone who felt as strongly about the book as I did and, and had as many opinions about it. And hopefully there'll be people listening who also wanted to have this kind of uh, conversation and maybe that'll spark it. Uh, spark. Because I know it's a book that has meant a lot to a lot of readers, particularly a lot of women yes. readers.
1: Yeah. Oh, one final point. Uh, yes. and you were saying you thought it was the right choice. The final reason I agree is that she approaches that story with love. She loves it.
0: Yes. And she wants
1: to serve it. Yes. She's not imposing her vision. She wants to serve the story. To
0: serve the story. And I think she did do that. Yeah, I think yeah. she did too. Thank you so much for this. This Thank was fun. Too. Well, if you're a fan of Madeline L'Engle's A Wrinkle in Time, or if you just really enjoy analyzing it to death when your favorite book is adapted into a movie or TV show, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Michelle Butler Hallett. I'll be back again in a couple of weeks with another podcast and some more great guests and some more great conversation about books. Until then, read a good book and build your shelf esteem.